It's a brand new day, and we're putting the AM in American politics. We've seen the darkness of division and despair and are now jumping into the light of a bright path forward. Progress is here, and we're sharing its story with you, for you, all with the help of Signal Boost. Now, here are your hosts, Zerlina Maxwell and Jess McIntosh. Welcome to Signal Boost. This is Jess McIntosh. I am here, as always, with Zerlina Maxwell. Very excited right now to be joined by Eli Zupnik. He is the comms direct, former comms director for Senator Patty Murray. Now he is the spokesperson uh, for Accountable Pharma, working with Fix Our Senate. My God, Eli, you do everything. Um, we're here today to talk about the filibuster. So first, let me, let me start 30,000 foot. How are you doing this morning? How is the first week gone? How are we feeling in the dawn of the new era? Well, first of all, thank you for having me on. It's great to be here, as always. Uh, I feel good. I feel like a weight has been lifted from the country's shoulders. A toxic cloud has evaporated, and <laughs> there's a whole lot of work that needs to be done, and there's a lot of problems that need to be fixed, but at least now we've got a chance at solving them. I think yeah. so many of us spent the months between the November election and the January election in Georgia really, really worried that the door that we thought could be open was going to be slammed shut once again. And the people of Georgia stood up and said, no, they opened the door a crack. And now we all need to charge through. There's a lot of work that needs to get done. But I feel yes. good. I feel like, you know, there's a whole lot of people who care about what needs to happen. There's a whole lot of work that's getting done across the country. Um, you know, people like Stacey Abrams, who are organizing in Georgia and, of course, across the country, who know that the election is not the end of the story. The election is just the beginning. And now we need to actually get something from it. We need to get results. And and one of the major things standing in the way of us being able to get results is, of course, Mitch McConnell and the filibuster. Before we dive into this, I want to back way the hell up, because I think we have we have a more educated, informed populace in 2021 than we possibly ever have. <laughs> um but the filibuster has not been one of the fights that we've needed to to fight in the last four years because it it hasn't been relevant. We didn't, you know, we didn't have we didn't have the Senate numbers. Now we do. I was having a conversation yesterday with my boyfriend, who's very plugged in. He lives with me. There's news on all the time, and he was asking, "Does the filibuster really happen all that often? I feel like we would see it more." And I realized that he was picturing Mr. Smith goes to Washington. He was picturing Wendy Davis and her catheter bag and sneakers on the floor of the, the Texas Capitol for hours and hours and hours, continuing to speak and pausing only for questions, and, you know, Ted Cruz reading, you know, the, the, the uh, Dr. Seuss books, the Green Eggs and Ham on the floor of the Senate. He was picturing that kind of filibuster. So can you lay out for our audience, like, how is the filibuster used today, and, and how did we get so far from Mr. Smith going to Washington? That's a great question, and, and I think... Um... Many people, like your boy, like your boyfriend, many people have this idea that the filibuster is something that you turn on C-SPAN or you, you turn on CNN or MSNBC and you can see people on the Senate engaging in these substantive debates and maybe they're standing there or maybe even reading from the phone book or something like that. But the reality is that, like you said, that's just not the way the filibuster works right now. The filibuster has evolved to become a weapon of obstruction that senators can use without even going to the Senate floor. All they need to do is tell what's called the cloakroom. They call the cloakroom, which manages, helps each party manage the floor. And when there's a vote that's about to happen, 
members uh, get called on something called a hotline. It used to be an actual phone. Now it's an email system that goes out to every member. And they want to know, does anyone have a hold? Does anyone want to do you know, what's sometimes called a silent filibuster? And if any member of any single senator of the 100 members of the United States Senate decide that they don't want to let this bill pass with 50 votes, they can put a hold on it. And that's, that, that's what is now the filibuster. It is silent. You don't see it. Sometimes you don't even know who the member is. And then that requires a 60-vote threshold to get what's called cloture, which means they're allowed, it, it allows the debate to end and go to final passage. So what's happened in the last you know, 10, 15, maybe 20 years, but, but really since uh, Senator McConnell uh, launched in 2009 his opposition to President Obama, is that every single bill is now filibustered. So people have this idea now that the Senate needs 60 votes to pass anything. That is not true. That is not the right. way the Senate was constructed. That's not the way the Senate works for most of its history, except big asterisk when it came to civil rights bills, then that and the filibuster was used, uh, which is, of course, why President Obama called it a Jim Crow relic. It was used to block civil rights bills. But for the vast majority of the Senate's history, if a bill had 50 votes plus one, either the vice president or an additional senator, it could pass. It is only very recently that is a 60-vote threshold body, a supermajority body, and it is completely broken down. So if anyone, when you hear Republicans, Senator McConnell or others say that the filibuster is a part of the institution, it is, a, it is the heart and soul of the Senate, some even intimate that it was enshrined in the Constitution, that's just wrong. Those are lies. It's not true. The filibuster was used, uh, was really forged to defeat civil rights bills, and it has recently become used to just block anything and everything that Senator McConnell doesn't like, which, of course, are the things that so many of us care a lot about. So, Usually as, to help the same things that civil rights bills um, were used to true. help. Um, in, a, in a lot of ways, I think um, sometimes we jump too far ahead um, when we go, well, with the next president, if we got rid of the filibuster and it's a different you know, party who is in charge, that would be bad for us. That's sort of, you know, the argument against getting rid of the filibuster, because then, you know, I guess somebody who has different views could do what they want. Um, now that they can pass things with, this, um, you know, the 50 plus one. But I don't, I don't necessarily think that they've already done pretty, a lot. Uh, <laughs> excuse me. They've already done plenty, uh, even with the, with the way the system is right now. Uh, that's bad. So can you sort of unpack for us the counter to that sort of devil's advocate position on the left where people say, well, this could be bad for us in the future because, you know, then Republicans would have an easier, you know, chance of, of passing the things that, you know, are, are quote unquote bad for, you know, black and brown communities, for example. Yeah, that's a great question. I, I get that question all the time. It is, uh, it, it is a question that people of good faith have. You know, that there's certainly a lot of bad faith arguments against getting rid of the filibuster, but that is one that people who care a lot about the issues and who care about the progress that we've made are concerned about what happens when the shoe is on the other foot. Now, here's, here's how I think about that. First and foremost, Senator McConnell has shown us that he is willing to change the rules, break the rules whenever he thinks it is in his interest. So if just because we don't change the filibuster now 
doesn't mean we stop him from changing the filibuster uh, as soon as he comes back into power. And I think we have a good, we have good evidence of this. In 2013, Senator Reid, Leader Reid, changed the Senate rules. Uh, he went nuclear in order to uh, allow nominees to pass with a simple majority because at that time, Senator McConnell was blocking pretty much all of President Obama's nominees to things like the National Labor Relations Board, judges, others. He wasn't letting him staff up his government and Democrats got tired of it. And Reid said, all right, we are now changing the rules that nominees can pass with a simple majority, except for Supreme Court nominees, because there was concern, exactly the kind of concern you're hearing now, that if they got rid of the filibuster for Supreme Court nominees, then who knows what kind of terrible justices Republicans could jam through as soon as they won power (laughs) back again. As we all know, as soon as uh, Republicans won, one of the first things that Leader McConnell did in 2017 was get rid of the filibuster for Supreme Court nominees, jammed through Gorsuch, jammed through Kavanaugh, of course, jammed through Coney Barrett. So the idea that just because we we are uh, act in good faith and um, exercise forbearance means that they will is is just I, I think uh, I think the facts tell a different story. The other thing I would say is that, and you you noted this um, when you asked the question, Republicans can already pass the things that they care about with a simple majority. They can jam through extreme conservative judges with just 50 plus one votes. They can pass tax cuts for the rich using reconciliation with a simple majority. Those are the things they care about most. So Senator McConnell has constructed a Senate where the things Republicans want to do are a simple majority. The things that Democrats want to do, pass the Voting Rights Act, raise the minimum wage, expand health care, create jobs, transportation infrastructure, democracy reform, immigration, gun safety, the list goes on and on. They need a supermajority. So mm-hmm. Senator McConnell has preserved his ability to block everything he doesn't like while greasing the skids for all the policies that conservatives want to pass. Okay, so last question before we get to the, like, what's next? Um, just so we can run through all, all of the, I think, good faith arguments that I hear against, <laughs> against getting rid of the filibuster. The last one is, why can't we just put it back the way it was? Like, why can't we take this silent hold off? If you really feel that strongly about filibustering a bill, you got to stand up and talk for 10 hours while we all watch you do it on C-SPAN. Um, it's difficult, it's time-consuming, it draws national attention to what you're doing and what you're blocking. Like, why is elimination better than a return to how we intended to use the thing? That's a good question. And, and there are people, uh, Senator Merkley is, is, a, is a member uh, who has been leading the charge on filibuster reform, filibuster elimination for years. He has been talking a whole lot about potentially bringing back with what is typically called the talking filibuster, forcing members, as you say, to come to the floor to actually show their faces, to not hide in their offices while they're blocking bills. Uh, and I think that could that would be a good step. Our position at Fix Our Senate, and I think what, what a lot of uh, progressives across the country think right now, is that Senator McConnell has weaponized the filibuster to such an extent, and he is willing to to use every single loophole and every single rule that he can to delay and block and obstruct anything that we want to do, that even a talking filibuster, there could be ways that he could abuse it. He could find members to delay and try and run out the clock as long as he can. 
because what we know about Senator McConnell is that he has realized that if he is able to make government not work while Democrats are in charge, that helps him politically. That's what he did in 2009, and the Republicans won the House back in 2010. So if he has any tool at his disposal to sabotage President Biden's agenda, sabotage Democrats, he's going to use it. So that, that's what I would worry about if we mm-hmm. stopped short of full elimination. But again, the status quo is so broken that any kind of progress will be good. But I think this is a moment when people should understand that we need to do big, bold things. It's what President Obama, sorry, excuse me, President Biden promised. It's what Senate Democrats promised. It's what they ran on. It's what people are expecting. And if the filibuster is in place, that's just not going to happen. Right. Okay. So that brings us to where we are right now. We watched uh, this this whole back and forth where McConnell said he wasn't going to he wasn't even going to approve the rules of the Senate unless Democrats unilaterally disarmed and promised in writing that they would never get rid of the filibuster. And then we could move forward with Senate business. Democrats did not do that. McConnell declared victory because Manchin and Kirsten Cinema both seem uh, un- unwilling to, to uh, eliminate the filibuster. McConnell declared victory, even though he didn't get the signed statement from Democrats that he was asking, and now is moving forward with the Senate. So that's where we are now. Do you see, do you see a winner in that fight? Um, and 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 what do you think? What do you think happens to to the the conversation around filibuster elimination now? Yeah, I, I think that McConnell uh, he he overreached here. I think he yeah. what he thought was that he could dictate the terms right from the start and he could tie democrats hands and undermine their agenda because he is he is truly scared of what would happen if the filibuster would limit were eliminated he knows that's his best weapon uh to obstruct anything and everything and he thought that if he could have this fight on a process issue a procedural issue it's a little wonky it's not an issue that really impacts people's lives that would be to his advantage rather than waiting a couple of weeks and having spite over COVID relief or raising the minimum wage or the Voting Rights Act, where people would see his obstruction more clearly for what it is. I think he this was a misstep. Uh, this was uh, what he did was he made Democrats very angry. He unified Democrats. Senator Schumer stood up and said, absolutely not. You spent years in the majority dictating terms, changing the rules, breaking the rules, not giving us in the minority a voice. And now you think that you can dictate terms when right after the American people just kicked you out of office and just put us in charge? Absolutely not. And thankfully, and this was really great to see, senators from across the caucus, from Joe Manchin to Bernie Sanders and everyone in between, stood by Senator Schumer's side and said, absolutely not. They are sick and tired of what McConnell has been doing to the Senate and what they, how he's been treating them in the minority. And they were not going to give him the opportunity to dictate terms and tie their hands right from the start. Now, this doesn't mean that Democrats are all in support of eliminating the filibuster. As you noted, there, there were members who reiterated concerns that they've had for years. There are members who still, who still want to keep the filibuster and who say they have concerns about getting rid of it. That, that's a challenge. I think those are members who are going to have to, at some point, and we hope soon, at some point make the decision, do they care more about the promises that they made to their constituents and actually delivering results, which won't happen if the filibuster continues? Or do they care, are they uh, prioritizing a Senate rule that's been abused, that doesn't work anymore? Um, 
over what they've made promise to their constituents. So, you know, we think that, you know, personally, I think that the filibuster is in uh, greater danger now than it was before McConnell tried this gambit. Um, I think that, you know, it's not the end of the story. There's still a long way to go, but I feel like we're in a better position today than we were before. I'm having a hard time, like, picturing the flood of phone calls that's going to be needed in Kirsten Cinema and Joe Manchin's offices telling them that their constituents want to get rid of the filibuster. I just don't see people picking up the phone and saying, get rid of the filibuster. I see them picking up the phone and saying, pass the $15 minimum wage. Whether or not they even understand that the only way to do that is by getting rid of the filibuster. Is is there a particular legislative vehicle? Is there a particular piece of the agenda that you think Democrats should attach filibuster reform to so that we are fighting for an outcome that actually has an effect on people's lives. You know, passing a $15 minimum wage is something a household understands, a community understands. Eliminating the filibuster doesn't seem to have any sort of an impact on my life. That's a word, I, I you know, it's a silly word by a silly body. In another word. <laughs> right, exactly. So, like, do we need another word for filibuster so that people get it? Or do we have to make this a policy fight so that people understand they're fighting for an outcome, not a, a, a procedural rule? Yes, you're absolutely right. This is this should not and is not about a Senate process or procedure. It's about the issues that people care about. If you care about passing common sense gun safety legislation, the filibuster is what stands in the way. If you care about raising the minimum wage and on and on. So you're absolutely right. What we think will animate people and will get people motivated to call their senators, to make their voices heard, to at some point show up to rallies, um, you know, hopefully in the next couple of months and things like that, is issues. It's not process. So I don't know how this is all going to play out. It depends on, you know, how President Biden and how Leader Schumer want to sequence things on the Senate floor and, and when they want to force votes on uh, issues that we, they know that Republicans are going to filibuster. I was encouraged to see President Biden introduce a COVID rescue package that that forced Republicans to say that they were going to oppose it, made it very clear that they were going to obstruct anything and everything. I mean, it was it was kind of laughable seeing Republicans try so hard to find things that they oppose that they actually had the gall to say they opposed money going to rich people after putting trillions of dollars Whoa. in tax cuts for rich people. <laughs> now they're worried that a couple of $1,400 checks or $2,000 checks will go to uh, some high-income wow. people. But, it's but a that different is, brand of rich people. They're talking about people making $75,000. That's rich comparatively, but nothing compared to the people that they've been funneling the money at. Like, if you're making $125,000 a year, you might not need a stimulus check. You're also not Jeff Bezos. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, but, but that aside, I think that it, it's go, we're going to see at some point very soon Republicans begin to block the agenda that was promised voters and that voters just put Democrats into power to implement. And at that point, people are going to have to connect the dots. They're going to have to say it doesn't have to be this way. Call their senators and say, why, are you why aren't you passing minimum wage increase? Why aren't you passing a bigger COVID relief package? Why aren't you passing the Voting Rights Act that's preventing people across the country from accessing the ballot and leading to the kind of undermining of democracy that we've seen over the last couple of months. And what we're trying to do at Fix Our Senate, what progressives, uh, so many great groups and, and people are doing across the country is connecting those dots to not let these senators have the excuse of saying, 
I want to pass it. I support it. We just can't get 60 votes in the Senate. That's not an acceptable excuse anymore. The rules can change. The rules have been changed many times before. Voters voted for an agenda. They didn't vote to maintain. They didn't vote put Biden in power and Schumer in power and Speaker Pelosi in power, but then also say, and we want to give Mitch McConnell a veto over anything they want. But that's what's happening. So unless the filibuster is eliminated, unless the Senate could actually pass the agenda that people just voted for, Mitch McConnell has a veto over anything and everything. And we want to make sure that people don't find that acceptable and that people demand that they actually get what was promised to them. It feels like just in the pandemic. It feels like this is the only moment we'd be able to really convince people that this matters. I mean, if, if the stimulus um, and, and COVID package is going to be held up, like your $1,400 check, your additional money is not coming because of Mitch McConnell, because of this weird word that you've never heard of and you didn't realize mattered. I mean, I think like we do have to figure out, and this is what you are doing, um, you know, trying to make sure people understand how this works. But I think the mechanics of it, um, you know, need to be clarified for people so they understand that your COVID money is not coming unless we get rid of this other thing that you've never heard of. (laughs) Right, right. It, it honestly feels like another way of overturning the election. Like the, the Republicans were trying really hard to overturn the results of this fair and democratic election. They were unsuccessful. And now we've got Mitch McConnell in the Senate being like, no, 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 I can use this to do it, guys. Don't worry. They're not going to pass anything. That's exactly right. And, and I think that that's part of why what McConnell did was such an overreach that he, he, his caucus and he personally were facing backlash for the insurrection seven members of their caucus not voting to even certify the election, along with hundreds some odd House Republicans. And well, the first thing he did in the Senate was say, the American people spoke. I don't want to listen. I'm not accepting the new majority. I'm not allowing you to form to, to take the majority in committees or get to work in committees. I think that this this speaks to the just how anti-democratic and how little the Republican Party is right now, and Senator McConnell is, how little regard they have for voters and how much they are will, what they're willing to do to block anything and everything that would threaten their power, threaten the power of their corporate donors and special interest allies. And they're willing to lay on the tracks to stop anything. And you know, we need to stop that. That can't, that can't be allowed to happen. Um, so I, I think that's a great point. I think that's, that's an important point that needs to be made is that people, people spoke, people just demanded I mean, we, we can't have a system. It doesn't make sense for us to have a system where the American people or the voters can hand full control of government to a party that promised an agenda, and then that party has no ability to actually implement it. That's why people are frustrated. That's why people look at D.C. and say there's so much gridlock and dysfunction, nothing gets done, and that's why we see I, – I, my personal opinion is that's why we see – the rise, one reason, along with other things like racism and, and more, the rise of people like President Trump, because people, Republicans go around the country and they promise, they, they run on this platform that government can't work, government can mm-hmm. never deliver results, and then they do everything they can to prove that. They sabotage government, they sabotage anything that Democrats try to do to make government help people and deliver results, and then they go on the campaign trail the next cycle and tell everyone, see, I told you so, government can't work. Vote yep. for us. You know, we'll cut your taxes, you know, and we'll, um, you know, protect you from all those bad people who are threatening you. That just doesn't work. If Democrats want to show that government can work as a force for good, government can actually make your life better 
make the country better. They need to actually be able to do that. They can't let McConnell stop everything they're trying to do and prove the thesis that he's trying to argue to the American people every two years. So what should people be doing right now? Uh, what should what should our listeners be doing? Is this a call your senator, even if they support eliminating the filibuster and tell them you stand with the moment? Is there something more we can be doing? It is. I think it is important for members to hear, for senators to hear right now that this is an issue that people care about. A whole lot of senators right now already support eliminating the filibuster. Again, uh, Senator Jeff Merkley from Oregon, Elizabeth Warren, um, and there are a number of leaders in the Senate who are working really hard to get this done. But this is something that even the, even they need to hear that we have their back, that there are pe- a yeah. lot of people who care about this, a lot of people who understand and are connecting the dots between the big issues we care about and the filibuster that is blocking it, the filibuster that's giving McConnell a veto over all of them. And they need to know we have their back and they need to feel encouraged. They, need, they should be talking to their colleagues, talking to other senators, making it very clear that it's just not going to be in a, if we are a year and a half from now and the filibuster hasn't been eliminated and we haven't passed a Voting Rights Act, we haven't taken money out of politics, we haven't increased the minimum wage, we haven't done all of the things that we know need to get done and we have this window of opportunity to do, they're not going to be able to turn around to their voters and say, we tried, you know, we just couldn't do it because Mitch McConnell was in the way. That's not going to be an acceptable excuse. And two years from now, people are going to look at, like, like they did in, 20, in 2010, they're going to look back at the last two years, they're going to examine what got done, and if they feel like D.C. was just another two years of gridlock and dysfunction, they're going to blame Democrats. And the best thing that Democrats can do, it's good politics and it's good policy, is deliver results, do what they said they would do. It's not going to be everything that progressives want. I mean, Joe Manchin, Senator Manchin, is still going to be the 50th vote. But the 50th vote, the deciding vote being Joe Manchin is better than the deciding vote being the 10th most progressive Republican, which I don't even know who that would be. I mean, right. so it's, it is better to have as, as, as much as as frustrating as it is that not everything can be accomplished. A lot of really good things could be accomplished if we took the power out of the hands of Mitch McConnell and put it in the hands of the people who voters actually voted for. Eli Zupnik with Fix Our Senate. Thank you so much for that incredible breakdown of this really arcane but really important issue. I, I feel like I feel better educated. I hope everybody else does, too. It was a delight talking to you this morning. It was great to be on. Thank you. We'll be back tomorrow with another Signal Boost podcast. Thanks for listening.